With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And this one is gone! It hits the foul pole! Howie Kendrick has done it again! And here it comes. Swag and a miss! Swag and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! Hi everybody, I'm Charlie Slows. I'm Dave Jagler. And welcome to Curly W Live from the Booth. Every episode, we'll be talking about some of the greatest games in Nationals history. And we have the chance to interact with you fans. You can email us or text us questions to nationalsradio at nationals.com, or you can send us questions via Twitter at Nats Radio. Send them along. We'll answer your questions and make you part of our show. Yeah, we're set up for direct messages on Twitter, so that will work great. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe at nationals.com slash podcast. Well, we're going to start off by talking about one of the greatest games in Nationals history and one of the most recent, beginning with a Nationals great run of the postseason last October with a National League wildcard game on October the 1st against the Milwaukee Brewers. Dave, it was a tremendous run by the Nationals after we now know the 19 and 31 start for them, and then 74 and 38 thereafter. And uh, with a strong finish down the stretch, a winning streak to end the season to catapult them into the top spot in the wild card picture, which meant the game would be sold out at Nationals Park with a capacity crowd there. And boy, were they ready for it! Welcome to our play-by-play broadcast. Charlie Slows, Dave Jagler with you. Yeah, and now the Nationals had a great finish to the season. As you mentioned, they won the last eight games. And even after they clinched the postseason spot against the Phillies, they really kept the pedal to the metal to make sure that they were able to host that game and have the home field advantage, have the home crowd behind them. And the crowd really got energized with Aaron Barrett, the emotional comeback story of Barrett. Nationals pitcher Aaron Barrett was awarded the chance to throw out a ceremonial first pitch to really honor him for his great comeback to reach the big leagues from two severe arm injuries. A four-year comeback to the big leagues, throwing out the ceremonial first pitch. Unusual for someone actually on the active roster in September to throw out that first pitch, but he got the crowd revved up, and it was in, in full throat for the start of the game. Baseball second season, it should be quite a ride. In a few weeks' time, a champion will be crowned, and the Nationals trying to take the first step in that direction. Max Scherzer takes the ball, and as we've seen Max in big games, Max came out, his pedal was to the metal. I mean, he was throwing 97, 98 right out of the gate. The Scherzer pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out. What a 98-mile-an-hour fastball away, and the side retired. But sometimes that's not always the best thing because his command was a little bit off. He ended up walking the leadoff batter, Trent Grisham, and then on the very next pitch, Yasmani Grandal hits a two-run homer just over the wall in right field. We're going to drive to deep right. Back goes Eaton way back, and is gone. Over the wall and into the bullpen, a two-run home run for Yasmani Grandal. So you're talking about the Nationals seven pitches into the game, being down two to nothing. It's like all the air was let out of the balloon. But give the crowd credit. The Assures have got the next three batters. He had a strikeout in there. The crowd stayed in the game, even though it was absolutely as, as awful a beginning as you could have to a game. It didn't get better in the second inning because Max gave up a leadoff home run to Eric Thames. It swings and hits one of the air to deep right center field. Back goes Robles way back at the wall looking up and it's gone. A home. 
run for Eric Thames on a 1-0 curveball for Max Scherzer. Eric Thames, of course, who signed in the offseason with the Nationals as a free agent. So now you're down 3-0, uh, one batter and nobody out into the top of the second inning. The Nationals needed to get something going because if Craig Council, the Brewers manager, had diagrammed a game plan, this was the perfect scenario for Milwaukee. Their starting pitcher, Brandon Woodruff, had a terrific first half, but was injured much of the second half, so he was not really stretched out to pitch deep into this game. He was going to go through the order once, maybe twice, and the strength of their team was the bullpen. So if Milwaukee had the lead mid to late innings, that was going to be key for them, and obviously they accomplished that, taking the 3-0 lead. But the Nationals did chip away with two outs and nobody on in the last of the third inning. 2 pitch to Turner is launched to left center field. This one is well hit. It's way back there. It may go, and it is gone. Into the Brewers' bullpen. On the right side corner, the Nationals are on the board. Trey Turner pulled them a run closer, and they were able to get within 3-1 to one with, uh, with ultimately Woodruff out of the game after four innings. So the Nationals were down 3-1. to one. You knew that Woodruff wasn't going to go deep into the game, as you mentioned. So the Brewers were really playing the short game, like it was the last game of the year, because in essence, it's do or die, and it is. So you knew they would go to the bullpen early. But the Nationals were kind of forced into that situation, too, if they got men on base and a chance to score, even though Max was only at 77 pitches when he completed the top of the fifth inning and he had settled down a bunch. If you had a chance down 3 nothing midway through the game, you couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, the Brewers had Brent Suter in there, and the Nationals actually got a rally going in the bottom of the fifth inning with two outs. Victor Robles singled, and so Scherzer's spot came up. Davey Martinez rolled the dice. He went to Brian Dozier. Dozier actually reached on an error, and so the Nationals had the tie runs on base in the bottom of the fifth inning, but Trey Turner flied out to center. But because Scherzer was lifted for the pinch hitter, who should come out of the bullpen for the first time in his professional career as a reliever but Steven Strasburg? The Nationals were down by two after five innings, but it was incumbent on Strasburg to do something he wasn't necessarily comfortable with and to do it well. Swing and a miss on a changeup, and Strasburg sets him down in the sixth inning. 3-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out on a curveball. Strasburg retires the side in order. It's interesting. One of the interviews that uh, we did this past spring was with Eric Fetty, who a starting pitcher throughout his minor league career has had to learn how to pitch in relief. And he was in the bullpen talking to Strasburg. You better get loose. You better get going now because it's going to come up on you faster than you think. Right. He anticipated the Scherzer spot could come up. So Strasburg being a starter needs a little longer to get loose. Strasburg actually did some some stretching and some long tossing pregame right before first pitch and tried to stay a little bit loose. But, you know, Fetty's little nudge got him warming up as the fifth inning, the bottom of the fifth was unfolding. So when Scherzer's spot came up, he's lifted. Strasburg was ready to go for the top of the sixth. It really is crazy when you think about starting pitchers routine before a game, the stretching, the catch all the way out to 120 feet. The back wall of the bullpen is only a few feet behind the bullpen mound. They really can't throw much further than that, than about 65, 68 feet of the bullpen. Yeah, but you wouldn't have known his routine was off. He gave up a, a hit to the first batter he faced, but then got a double play and got a strikeout. And uh, unfortunately, the Nationals couldn't get anything going against left-hander Drew Pomeranz. So really, inning six and seven, the teams were holding serve. And that was advantage Milwaukee because they were counting down outs trying to get the ball to Josh Hader, their outstanding closer, who in the 2018 postseason often went six outs or more. And so Craig Castle wanted to get the ball to Hader, needing six outs. Strasburg did his part, pitching scoreless ball in inning six, seven, eight. And then Hader would come on for the bottom of the eighth inning, trying to get the final six outs for the Brewers. 
Now, if you're the Brewers, you're feeling pretty good at that point. Uh, Davey Martinez, as far as his bench is concerned, had some right-handed hitters. Now, uh, Victor Robles struck out to start the inning, and then the number nine spot, Strasburg, due up. Michael Taylor sent up uh, as a pinch hitter, and, you know, the Brewers may look back at this one for a long time because there's a, some controversy in uh, what happened, and Taylor ruled to have been hit by a pitch, but nobody was exactly sure when it happened. Crossfire delivery, the kick in the pitch. Inside, he hit him with it. And Taylor took one. He doesn't wear any protective armor. He'll go down to first base. That had to hurt. And throughout the postseason, when the Nationals needed a break, they got a break. And Taylor worked a good at bat. That was going to be ball four. It came up and in. Did it hit the hand, but did it hit the bat? And the ball actually rolled out into fair territory. So the Brewers are trying to make a play on the ball like it was a fair ball and that Taylor was going to be out. But, but fortunately, the umpires ruled that it was a hit-by-pitch. So when it went to replay, the Brewers challenged. I mean, they looked at the replay in New York from all kinds of different angles, and there was no definitive proof, 100%, that the ball didn't hit him. I think if it was originally called a, a foul ball or a ball in play, if the Nationals challenge, it's probably not overturned. But the fact that it was ruled a hit-by-pitch initially is a huge break, and it gives the Nationals a base runner with one out. Yeah, brings the tying run to the plate, trailing three to one. But Hader strikes out Trey Turner now down to the final out of the inning. And here comes Mr. Walkoff in an eighth inning situation as a pinch hitter. Anthony Rendon is on deck. This is the Nationals' chance here with two out. Hader sets. Taylor the lead from first. The kick and the pitch to Zim. Swing and a broken bat pop up. Shallow center field. This is going to fall in for a base hit. Taylor around second will go to third. And Kane runs it into the infield with nobody covering second. And this will go down as one of the big at-bats of his career. One of the shortest big hits he's ever had. Yeah, he's, he's had 11 walk-off home runs, but this one has to go near the top of the list as far as clutch hits. Completely shattered his, his bat and muscles the ball into shallow center field, and it, it dunks in for a hit. Broken bat, single to center for Zimmerman as a pinch hitter, and the tying runs are on base, and Anthony Rendon is the batter. He's immediately replaced by Andrew Stevenson as a pinch runner. Of course, Zim starts most of the games in the postseason, so he's not necessarily used to being a pinch hitter, but he was geared up for the fastball got jammed, broke his back, set the table for Rendon, who worked a terrific at bat, although it looked like Hader might have been pitching him carefully, knowing he had the lefty Juan Soto on deck. And Rendon, and maybe they didn't know, he was a little under the weather in that game, wasn't feeling great down the stretch at the end of the season, but works a walk, takes a 3-2 pitch to set the table for, at the time, the 20-year-old superstar Juan Soto for the lefty-lefty matchup against Josh Hader. Now, you're feeling pretty good when it was 3-0 and on Rendon, but he comes back with a called strike and a foul ball before the 3-2 the pitch is too high for ball four. And so here is Soto, fouls off the first pitch, then takes a ball, and then what will go down is one of the biggest swings all time in Nationals history. Base is loaded. One ball, one strike. Hater the set, the kick. Here it comes. Swing and a line drive. Base in right field. Taylor scores from there. Trent Grisham, Dave, I thought he had no play anywhere and maybe could have gone to a knee to make sure that ball stayed in front of him and just threw the ball in a second. Grisham overran the ball, and the error allows the Nationals to go for the win. 
I'm thinking when the ball is hit, that's tie game. And peripherally, as I'm watching a runner head for third, I almost see you jump out of your chair to my left. And I look up and the ball's bounced past Grisham and he's chasing it. Now everybody's going to score. And Soto goes around second base and he gets caught, you know, maybe thinking he's going to draw the throw there to make sure the run scores. And he gets tagged out for the third out. Yeah, I still don't know. I mean, baseball gods, like we talked about with Taylor, it was the Nationals' time. They got the bounce that they needed. And the sound in our headsets when first he got the hit and everybody realized, okay, this is going to be a tie game. But then once everyone realized the ball got by Grisham, the crowd went to another level, volume-wise. It's like it was going to blow our ears off in the, in the headsets. This place going bonkers. And it was an incredible moment. Uh, we've seen the videos of the fans you know, throwing the, the beverages up in the crowd just to uh, utter euphoria at that stage in the game. And it, it all happened so fast because, as you said, Soto was tagged out. But now caught in a run down is Soto. He will be tagged out by Moustakis, but that's the third out. So you take the lead on the same play that the inning ends. All of a sudden, Daniel Hudson's in the game, and the whole top of the ninth inning goes by literally in the blink of an eye. You have to look back and, and look at the scorebook and say, really, Daniel Hudson threw 11 pitches? Daniel Hudson with a 2-2 pitch. It felt like that inning went by in a second and a half. He did give up a hit with one out, uh, and then he had bases pinch hitter Ben Gamble. It's ball pretty well off the bat. Robles runs it down to deep center field to, to set off the celebration. Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball, center field. Robles going back. Still back there. He makes the catch. He makes the catch. Literally, from the time Soto hit the ball and it gets by Grisham for the final out, it seemed like that, that took just five seconds. Everything happened so, so fast. And ultimately, the Nationals had, had won an elimination game at home, something they had never done before. Yeah, the second out, Arce was on one pitch and a foul pop, and and then Gamble on the second pitch. The longest part of the inning may have been how long the ball was in the air for Robles to get to it on the warning track to make the catch and set off the fireworks at Nationals Park. now our portion of curly w live from the booth as we answer questions from you the fans this is an email from nationals fan john mccullough davy asks how do you keep cool in the big moments of course you both get excited but i think of moments like the wild card game where i couldn't stop screaming how do you do it I always say, Dave, there's two broadcasts going on. The one that comes out of my mouth and the screaming portion is probably inside my head. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's what we're trained to do. Um, you know, obviously you, you had that, that call on the, on the Soto hit and just your instincts take over uh, as a play-by-play guy to describe what's happening on radio and paint the picture. I had the same moment on the Howie Kendrick home run. It's like, yeah, you'd love to jump up and down, but you want to pick up the reaction of what the nationals are doing as far as a celebration. You know, what is Howie doing as he rounds the bases? What does the moment mean? So, you know, fortunately it's something we've, we've had some practice at. It's what we train for. So you just, you know, as much as you, you want to be a fan, you, you do have your professional hat on at that time. And you just you kind of talk about what you see. That's what we're trained to do. 
Yeah, I think uh, what you would think of as the screaming or the emotion is really what the way we sound, how what our voice level is at that point in describing, trying to be maybe just above the crowd level to be heard. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, you uh, you have a moment like that in the in the first inning. You don't want to go to, to to ten on the scale of one to ten because if something happens in the ninth inning, well, where do you go from ten? You can't get to twelve. So, I mean, you, you save your your number ten caliber call for those moments where whether it's Soto in the wild card game or Kendrick in the in the Dodgers series or Kendrick off the foul pole in Game Seven or Daniel Hudson striking out Brantley, that's what you want the your 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 ten level intensity to be in that kind of call. Yeah, obviously, there's, there's no other way you can do it. And uh, really, you're right. The the emotion of the moment takes over, and uh, that's what we feed off, of, especially with a great moment like that at home with the Nationals Park crowd. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Curly W Live from the booth. Again, you can send us your questions at nationalsradio at nationals.com or at Nats Radio on Twitter. And you can subscribe to the podcast at nationals.com slash podcasts. Mr. Jagler, I'll see you next time. I'll see you as well. And uh, we've got a long rain delay to fill, so we look forward to a lot of these episodes to come. A lot of great games in Nationals history. Stay tuned.